Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast. Where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbot. Oh, we flying high, baby. Let's go. Oh, no, no. And Trey, <laughs> Stinky Fingers, took an L on Sunday, Jose. The unbearable Seahawks fans are back again. Seahawks just week. won the 2022 Super Bowl, so I think we can just shut down the whole season and <laughs> call it a wrap. Hey, baby, that that was our Super Bowl, okay? That was our Super Bowl. That's all we wanted. Uh, we are the Fantasy Football Fathers. You can catch us on Twitter <laughs> at the FF Fathers. Uh, thank you for tuning into the show. This is our very first waiver wire episode of the year. Yeah. Week one waivers. What 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 waiver? <laughs> that's Trey's go to there. That one works every time. Um, <laughs> so Thursday night or Monday night? What day is it? Monday night football just finished up the very first Monday night game of the year. Russell Wilson returning to Seattle with his new team, the Denver Broncos, to take on the Seattle Seahawks in Week One and. Well, Tyler, let's hear how it was for you down at the old local Swinging Doors Tavern there. If you're from Spokane, Washington, you know what that is. Ah, man, it was <laughs> it was fantastic. It's like it's like the old days. It was great. You know, we just everything happened, and I was just like, "See, Hawks!" <laughs> it was great. Oh. <laughs> so no, honestly, I can't oh, believe we won. Man. I thought the Denver's gonna come in and absolutely slaughter us. We played very good situational football. Uh, fun stat: I told Trey this earlier. Uh, SVP came out and said it was the first time since 1987 a team has fumbled twice on the opponent's one yard line. So we had some fortunate luck that way. But fuck, man, I'll take it. Wow. Yeah, crazy, crazy game. But uh, what a way to to cap off a, a crazy week one in general a ton of uh things to break down here as we go into the waiver wire episode but yeah the broncos russell wilson went 42 for 29 349 yards and a touchdown the biggest storyline though is the javante williams usage seven rushes for 43 yards did have 12 targets through the air 11 receptions for 65 yards but that fumble at the goal line that was a big one that one uh that one crushed the souls of of whoever drafted Javante Williams for sure. Still finished with 13.3 points, so it didn't absolutely kill you, but could have been a much bigger game for Javante. Then Melvin Gordon, 12 carries on the ground, 58 yards, two targets to the air, two receptions, also fumbled on the goal line, finished with 5.3 uh, fantasy points. So overall, uh, pretty lackluster there from the running game for you know what was hyped up to be pretty um, fantasy relevant in terms of Javante and Melvin Gordon. Neither of them really doing a whole lot for your team. I mean, Javante still, you know, gave you at least 13, but uh, definitely disappointing overall. Yeah, I will say, though, like, it still bodes well to running backs against the Seahawks defense. Um, they really picked up where they left off last year in terms of being really poor against uh, receptions out of the backfield. Uh, last year, the Seahawks by far led the league with over 1,100 yards receiving, given up to running backs. And the fact that uh, Javante Williams was basically wide open in the flat play after play after play is not a good sign. They gave up 11 receptions, 65 yards to him. It's going to be another long year. And if you have a pass catching back at playing the Seahawks, you should definitely be starting him. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not even a bad game. I mean, he was 18th this week running back. Obviously, we expect more out of Javante Williams, but it was kind of a, a weird week for a lot of running backs. So with him getting 13.3 points, he was still a top 24 running back this week. Right. And if, I mean, if you take away that fumble, generally, if he doesn't fumble, he probably scores a touchdown there. And then he goes to 21 points or 20 points, you know, for the week. And it's a huge difference. So that one play really affected him being a, you know, top 10 running back this week. And then in the uh, receiving game, both uh, Sutton and Judy had seven targets. Both of them had four receptions. Sutton finished with 72 yards. Judy finished with 102 and had that touchdown on the big play. I think that was a 67 yarder. Yep. Uh, Judy finished with 18 fantasy points, Sutton with nine. So a little disappointing here. Um, you know, if you if you have Judy, you're happy with where he finished, but are you really starting him next week? I mean, there were some questionable plays made by Judy, some, some drops even, you know, are, you can't, it, it's tough for me to count on that big play happening week in and week out. Well, I'll answer your question with a question. Are we scared of Cortland Sutton now? We all like him. And it's it's a decent floor. Four catches, 72 yards, seven targets. I expected a little bit more, though. So I'm kind of worried right now. Yeah, I see that kind of as the floor. Um, he had some shots uh, deep down the field. Had some end zone shots. Uh, just didn't convert them. You know, I expect brighter days ahead for, for Cortland Sutton. I'm not giving up on that that take just yet <laughs> after week one yeah i mean, guys it is week one don't so don't nobody you know jump off a cliff here um you know it's overreaction monday it's the first in the week so the overreactions are even bigger than it would be you know four or five weeks from now but uh yeah honestly i was always higher on judy i think you guys were i think judy will actually end up still being the number one receiver in this offense um i know you guys are are going with Sutton there um and i know he took a lot of it in, the, in that one big play but from what I see, the amount—I mean, obviously the biggest difference is that touchdown, but the targets and the receptions are identical. So I think you could end up seeing this being a very interchangeable, um, you know, who to start type of situation going forward this year. And it might always come down to whoever scores the touchdown, which is always going to be a tough, tough way to play. Well, when yeah. he scored, wasn't that like a fifty-yard touchdown, something like that? Like 63, 67, something like that. Yeah, it was—it was, it was yeah. a big play. So if he gets tackled, I mean, really, he has four catches for 70 yards, and he almost finishes identical with Sutton. So that's a good point that you were bringing up. Right. Uh, On the other side of the ball, DK, seven targets, seven receptions, which is nice. You know, he caught everything that was thrown his way, but only 36 yards on the day. Obviously, no touchdowns. Lockett, four targets, three receptions, 28 yards. Penny on the ground, 12 carries for 60 yards. You know, had a nice five-yard average there. Uh, three targets through the air, two receptions. And then really Gino, the surprise kind of the night, played really well uh, for what we expect out of Gino anyways. 28 for 23, uh, 195 yards, two touchdowns, five rushes for 15 yards. You surprised about the Seahawks offense? I honestly am not that surprised from what we've seen. Rashad Penny to me is still the only guy you can start every week and not really be that worried about it, even though he had a Pretty quiet game, only 60 yards, no touchdowns. But DK Metcalf did look really good. He was making some really good catches. I mean, Lockett looked good also, but it gave me more faith in DK Metcalf than I had before this game. I was a little worried, but I mean, uh, seven targets, I think he's going to be looking pretty decent from this point on. I'm curious what Tyler's got to say, though, because I think this is Gino's ceiling that we just saw. 
Yeah, I think I'm probably there with you. Um, the the Seahawks came in with a game plan of, you know, taking what the defense gives you, a bunch of check down passes, short, easy reads for Geno, make the game simple, you know. And that's what you're going to need to do to win for the Seahawks, which isn't a winning formula for fantasy owners. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of this. It might be highly efficient in terms of, you know, what Geno does, but very little yardage, very little explosive plays. I will say, though, that Penny, even though his game was quiet, he had two or three runs that he actually broke open that were, you know, 15, 20-yard runs that then got called back for a hold or whatever it may be. So that gives me a lot more hope as well that um, this is more of a floor for Penny and not a, and not what we're expecting to see the whole season. My hopes are high, dude. I want to see some good shit out of him. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there on Penny. Uh, Gino, maybe a, a sneaker super flex ad this week if um, you know, you're know you hurting for a second quarterback in your super flex league, but uh, nothing really more so than that. But let's move on to the waiver wires for week one. Arguably, a lot of the times, one of the biggest waiver wire weeks of the year. Um, some some diamonds in the rough can be found here. Uh, not 100% sure about this week one waivers, but um, there's some guys here that I like for sure. Uh, but let's start with the top. Let's get this out of the way yeah. because I know <laughs> Trey's just bursting at the seams to I talk do, about this hey, guy. Just real quick, yeah. I do want to th- I, I throw this out before we get into the waiver Ooh. wires. Right before, before we get into the waiver wires, uh, I want to just get your initial reaction for fantasy-wise like week one. What was like your headline of week one for fantasy purposes? I'm fucked. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, scary injuries, uh, like Najee's foot injury, which we're going to mm-hmm. talk about, but it, he's expected to be okay. You know, Elijah Mitchell going down for who knows how long. Uh, four weeks, it sounds like. At least. Maybe maybe up to two months. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of – some definitely some disappointing – showcases out there you know like mike williams of course you know people are talking about um a a lot of things like that i I think you know and it's probably a a problem that we all have is we focus a lot kind of on the negative in fantasy rather than you know the guys that really showed out but that's what tends to dominate the headlines at least in the fantasy world is you know people panicking over certain players for me it's like a mike williams alvin kamara guys like that that i'm a little worried about Trey. Yeah, I, I have quite a few opinions. I'll try to keep it really short, though. So, just give me um, your give me your one major headline. That's what I was trying to get out of Jim, and he you know uh, rambled. <laughs> my bad. God, my one major one. Um, Taysom uh, Hill. There you I, I like Who's all right? of them. I like all of my takes. I I would just say uh, the running backs are definitely disappointing, which might the writing might have been on the walls the last couple of years that uh, the committees are coming to a forefront and it's pretty concerning how it's really it's just diminishing year after year and a lot of running backs were drafted really high didn't even break double digits so it, it's i'm pretty concerned about the running back situation right now just in the whole league yeah that, well, I'll, that get, I'll give be... you mine i'm, okay, I'm definitely going go much i'm going much more positive than both of you guys i'm i'm a little disappointed uh my headline is welcome back saquon are you oh, kidding yeah. me yeah, uh, comes back what? with a 29 point just explosion 164 yards on the ground another six catches and 30 yards to the air 
Like, come on. Plus a two-point conversion to, to you know win the game. This is what we were talking about all offseason with Dayball and having and believing in Saquon. This is what we were hoping for, and this is what we got. Not to mention he averaged nine yards a fucking carry. Hello. Yeah. Uh, moving Dayball. That's he right. He looked awesome, man. He he 100% looked awesome. It was definitely the vintage Saquon that we've kind of been waiting on since, you know, he came into the league and, and we saw in his rookie year. So definitely. Imagine if he keeps that up. Highlight. Exactly. The second round, early third round pick. Like this That's could, a championship really, winner, man. Really, oh, yeah. I'm excited yeah. to have him. That's a league winner for sure. Drafted uh, what in the back of second rounds for the most part in a lot of redraft leagues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I nice. had him in the third a couple of times, the beginning of the third. But yeah, he was in that area. I'd also say the argument for drafting those elite receivers early in the first round is becoming more and more attractive. You know, um, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. If those guys are on your team, you you probably won week one. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. that argument is is pretty strong right now after week one. Devontae well, Adams Jeff- is right up there. No, Devontae, Devontae was great, too. too. Yeah. But, I mean, he was Stephon being drafted Diggs, mostly yeah. in, you know, Diggs and Adams were both being drafted, in, you know, in deeper middle to the second to the end of the second round. So, but Justin Jefferson having 150 yards and two touchdowns in the first half after saying, like, the day before he wanted to come out and, solidify himself as the number one receiver in the NFL. He started, you know, came out of the gates absolutely on fire. No doubt about it. Uh, Let's move into the waiver wire um, picks here, I guess. We got quite a few guys to cover. Um, Let's start with Trey's guy at the very top. (laughs) Yes. The quarterback. yes, yes. For the Atlanta Falcons, Marcus Mariota, 12 carries for 72 yards on the ground, also put up a rushing touchdown and topped it off with 215 yards passing through the air. Definitely a solid performance, better than I expected, especially against the New Orleans Saints. They have a pretty, what's touted to be as an elite defense. Um, You know, he's only rostered in 18% of leagues right now. He finished with 17.8 fantasy points. And finished as the QB 11 right there with Russell Wilson. Oh, God. You're going to let me just take the wheel? I, take the wheel. <laughs> come on, man. This is I'm doing my victory lap. I don't care. It's week one. This this is his floor. You already said this is against the Saints, one of the best defenses in the league. I told you guys this is going to happen. Design runs, 12 carries, 72 yards. He would have had 20 points if he didn't have that fumble. And he didn't throw any touchdowns. Like things are going to come together for this team as long as he can stay solid. So I think this is really his floor. 18 points. Like, God, it just feels so good. I fucking told you. <laughs> All right. Honestly, I'm still going to pump Trade the brakes, man. I'm still going to pump the brakes. I'm still I mean, at the he... wheel. You can't pump the brakes. I'm in the driver's seat. <laughs> Bro, we're in a driver's ed car. I got my own wheel over here. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'm so, yeah, man. I just. It's been it was one week. I'm not gonna go crazy on I like the seventy two rushing yards. I don't think you're gonna see that necessarily every week. He's going up against another good defense next week in the Rams. I understand they just got beat the hell, but that was against, you know, arguably the best offense in the league. So let's not freak out over that. He's playing the Rams. Let's see what happens there when they're in LA. The same thing. His floor, eighteen points at least. All right. Well, hey, yeah. You can 
we'll we'll you know come back once next week week two happens. All right. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about it in the start set episode. We'll get there. We'll get there later on this week. Start set episode coming out Thursday morning. Who finishes higher next week, Trey Lance or Marcus Mariota? Marcus Trey Lance. Mariota. That's easy. Oh my god! Do you guys want to lose <laughs> hey, five dollars again? Hey, I won hold last on, week. Hey, no, no, hold on. Trey Lance is playing the Seahawks defense, which did not play great tonight. Again, we already talked about there were a couple of opportune, t- you know, fumbles that came through. Uh, I'm still going to take Trey Lance over Mariota next week. Double or nothing. I got Marcus Let's Mariota. Do it. Hey, over hey Trey I'm Lance. down. For, I'm down for that. I'm down for. I already that. beat you. I, in case you guys are remember, you just said I took Justin Fields. I know. I'm taking it. But in case. The audience doesn't remember. I took Justin Fields over Trey Lance for more fantasy points last week against both of you. Won that bet. I'll just end it there, and I'll keep stacking this five dollars up. We do this every week. I have a hundred dollars at the end of the year. So, <laughs> congrats! A monsoon came in at the most opportune time there in the in old Chicago. You guys uh, keep saying that both teams were playing in the same conditions. Yeah, I know. Okay, but, but like, okay, we haven't said this on air yet. I've said this to you guys multiple times. The difference between Fields and Lance that game was a broken play by Fields who broke the cardinal cardinal rule and threw the ball all the way back across the field. 90% of the time, that ball was picked off. And like I said off camera before we started, this is coming from someone who's a Seahawks fan, and Russell Wilson built his whole fucking career off of scrambling and throwing it to the opposite side of the field cross body. Yeah, but so you know, Russ Russell's a future Hall of Famer. Justin Fields hasn't done jack in the in the league. Oh, hey, hey whoa, whoa, Easy on the Hall of Fame. <laughs> hey, I said, I said, future Hall of Fame. Are you gonna deny it? They're gonna put Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame. They're gonna put Russell in the Hall of Fame. He already has better stats yeah. than he does. Yeah, but he's a real lunch pail guy. First one in, last one out. <laughs> real cerebral, Eli Manning. Okay. All right, let's let's ride to our next uh, waiver wire here. Ooh, um, what a segue! By, you know, by the way, I guess <laughs> I would be willing to th- you know pick up Marcus Mariota in in a super flex, but redraft, I'm holding the brakes too, like Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the su- I'll give you a super flex. I'll give you that. Jeff Wilson. Uh, the backup running back for the Niners, as it is listed on the depth chart. Um, he's a waiver wire discussion this week just because Elijah Mitchell is out and looking to miss some time, a significant amount of time. Jeff Wilson was the next guy up with nine carries, 22 yards, two receptions for eight yards, rostered in 20% of leagues, but it's pretty likely, as we already saw, Debo Samuel is going to get a lot of run out of the backfield so how how would you prioritize picking up jeff wilson in this scenario or is it just too muddy for you to to go there um no it's not too muddy because elijah mitchell is set to mix oh it's official now they, they expect him to miss eight weeks he's missing the next two months of the season so that's the case jeff wilson should be picked up in most leagues um i'm not saying you should necessarily start him right away because i think you'll see um, a, a more even split between him and Tyrion Davis Price, at least at first. We'll see what happens in long run. But I think that Jeff Wilson should be prioritized as a running back pickup. Are you not worried about the fact that like Davis Price apparently like lost out the third running back position in the offseason to Jordan Mason? Eh. Which I mean they're competing for a backup job. I mean, I guess you can go with either one of them. But I would still Jeff Wilson's the guy you're gonna pick up. You're not gonna like really consider rostering the other two guys unless you see something else happen. 
I mean, he's going to be the hottest pickup of the week, probably. I see a lot of, if you're in a fab league, I see a decent amount of money being spent in Jeff Wilson. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it could come back to bite you just because there might be so many guys involved. But, you know, if so, if he gets a hot hand, you know, Kyle Shanahan will ride with that guy. But Debo is definitely going to be involved quite a bit. I have a feeling from here on out in the backfield. Um, next on the list, Jalen Warren, the undrafted rookie, solidified himself as the number two back there in Pittsburgh. Najee's backup has played well. He's good in pass pro. He's rostered right now in 7% of the league. But Najee's x-ray did come back negative today on the foot. And according to sources, it looks like he's going to be ready to go for week two. So I know on Sunday, Jalen Warren was a big name being talked about um, for waivers. But with Najee expected to be back now, are you focusing too much on taking a shot on Jalen Warren? I'll just say no. I mean, Benny Snell is still back there, and we saw how he got some snaps last year. Um, And I feel like Mike Tomlin would be more comfortable playing Benny Snell than Jalen Warren, just knowing Mike Tomlin over the years. So that's not someone I would really prioritize, especially with Najee most likely being back next week. It's I'm not really – he's still just a stash play to me, someone you can hold on to in like a dynasty league as far as Jalen Warren goes. Yeah, um, I mean, I wouldn't priorities pick up either one. If they expect Najee to be back, I would expect him to still be back then. Um, they might limit his carries a little bit, but um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to prioritize picking up either one of those guys in, in any league right now, not until I hear that Najee's you know, out completely. Yeah, I would say, you know, if Najee's on your team, obviously um, you should prioritize this guy a little bit more. You shouldn't have to throw a whole lot of fab at him, if any at all, in your league just because it is expected that Najee's going to be back. But a low amount should get the job done uh, for him if if Najee's on your team. Probably even less than that. I see what you did there. Yeah. I see what you did there. Um, What did I do? Five bucks. Five dollar bet. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Just pretend (laughs) like you meant to. I did it on purpose. Y'all owe me. <laughs> uh, Curtis Samuel is next on the list. Um, played 71% of snaps, had 11 targets for eight receptions, 55 yards, and one touchdown, you know, beating his season-long tally last year. Um, finished as the wide receiver 19. Right now he's rostered in 13% of leagues. Really was surprised, honestly, in this whole passing attack. Uh, you know, with Carson Wentz, who played well, you know, put up 29 fantasy points himself. Um, Curtis Samuel is a guy we were waiting on last year. It looks like he's going to be involved this year, finally is healthy. Are you going to the waiver wire to pick up Curtis Samuel, Washington Commanders wide receiver? You know, I think <laughs> he's a an interesting pickup. And we were, I think a lot of fantasy owners were high on him last year going into the season being the number two receiver there. And I understand that like uh, Jahan Dawson's there now along with scary Terry. So that's, there is that bit of concern, but I think he's a worthy guy to pick up and stash on your bench to see what happens as this offense, you know, transforms and evolves throughout the season. Yeah. I'm totally with you. It, It seems like, 
you know, he had 11 targets, eight catches compared to Terry McLaurin getting four targets and two catches. And Scary Terry got bailed out by getting a touchdown, which kind of saved his day for anyone who started started Scary Terry. It, I'll be honest, I didn't watch this game very much, so I don't really know how this was playing out. But it seems from the numbers that um, maybe Curtis Samuel just plays more along with what Carson Wentz is about because we know Scary Terry is a deep threat. So maybe Curtis Samuel, he is more complimentary to Carson Wentz's game. And, I mean, if someone's getting double-digit targets, you got to get them. So what would, what would you think about Jahan Dotson rostered in 55% of leagues? If Jahan and Curtis are both available in your league, uh, Jahan scored twice, made some really nice plays, only had five targets, but turned five targets into two touchdowns, finished as the wide receiver 13. Would you rather have Jahan Dotson or Curtis Samuel? Oh, man, that's – I don't know, man, that's tough. Um, I think only because I I don't know where this offense is gonna go. Obviously, you have Samuel having the higher kind of usage, but Jahan getting getting the money load in terms of getting a couple touchdowns. So it's hard to say. Um, I think for most people, Jahan Dotson um uh, might not be available in your in your league. I think Curtis Samuel's probably more likely available just because of where people are being drafted. So I would go towards Curtis Samuel. But I mean, I think it's a complete toss up. I think towards the middle of the season we'll have a better understanding of where this goes um but i mean i think they're both probably worth a flyer at this point you guys know me i'm all about my safe guys and uh sticking with consistency that's only a week one so there's no consistency to go off of but i'd rather have the guy with 11 targets not the guy who caught two touchdowns on you know three catches so i'd rather take curtis samuel the opportunities there are more and by the way, why is Jahan Dotson not listed on the depth chart on Sleeper? Like he's Dude, sometimes like, do weird stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, it's know. weird. And it says he's rostered in zero percent of leagues. I don't. That Sleeper's seems wrong. It it must, yeah, yeah, they're glitching on Jahan Dotson. But I would take Curtis Samuel. I want, like I said, I want the guy with double digit targets. You really can't go wrong with that. If that maintains, if the course maintains, whatever. If it keeps going like that, I'm all about it. All right, uh, moving on to Gerald Everett, who had a nice game, uh, late-round tight end that we talked about quite a bit. Um, four targets, which was the same amount as Mike Williams, I might add. Three receptions for 54 yards and one touchdown. Uh, right now he's rostered in 34% of leagues. He finished as the tight end four uh, on the week. Gerald Everett is a guy that I really like targeting. For sure, if he's available on your waiver wires and you don't have one of the top elite tight ends. Um, hi man, I don't know. This could have been a fluke. Um, I I think that Mike Williams will have a much better season going kind of forward. Um, granted, we did see a lot of up and down from him last year, so he could have these really big games and you know really down games. So that's a chance, but I don't know if I'm going to put a lot of effort into Gerald Everett, you know, on my waiver wire. There's other tight ends that we'll be talking about here shortly that I think are better options. Oh, really? Oh, really? Like who? <laughs> little, little foreshadowing. You want me to go out there? Um, yeah, my big like one, more? honestly. Yeah, my biggest one is honestly Hayden Hurst. Um, okay. It's a guy we talked about a, f- a few times where we're like, if you really punch in the position to, 
you know, work work on Hayden Hurst. And he turned around and had he didn't have a huge yardage, but you know, eight targets is a lot for a tight end. Getting five catches, forty six yards, eventually it's going to turn into more stuff. I would like that pickup more than Gerald Everett uh, at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, Hayden Hurst, a guy we talked about, um, could have a nice role in this offense, and definitely looks like he does. You know, week one, you hope to see him get some touchdowns here, but those will come. Um, eventually. So I would probably have to agree with you on that. Um, another tight end that had a decent game. This one I think is probably more fluky than the other two for sure. OJ Howard, two for two, 20 yards and two touchdowns. So obviously tight end or touchdown dependent um, out of this tight end. But I think the biggest storyline here is it's pretty bad news for Brevin Jordan. If you were hopeful for a Brevin Jordan breakout. It looks like OJ Howard's going to be involved in, in that red zone target. So I'm not picking up OJ Howard, but I'm, you know, realizing if you're waiting on Brevin Jordan, like a redraft league or something like that, I think it's okay to go ahead and move on for a Hayden Hurst or a Gerald Everett. Um, speaking of tight ends, how about a tight end that actually plays running back? Uh, Taysom Hill. <laughs> <laughs> rostered in 12% of leagues, had four rushes for 81 yards and a touchdown, had one reception for two yards. He finished as the tight end three overall. Is Taysom Hill breaking fantasy football again at the tight end, fan- tight end position? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Um, the the points are impressive, and it, I think it put him in the top five this week for tight ends. Bad week for tight ends, fantasy wise. But Finished three overall. Yeah, well, you know, he had two big runs, four opportunities to run the ball. Like you said, uh, one reception for two yards. It doesn't seem likely that's going to like keep continuing that way. At least that's how I feel about it. We know what he can do, but it, I think, it's a a fluke play. Yeah, I mean, his usage just isn't there. He had, you know, four carries and what it was just one target. Am I seeing that correctly? Yeah, one yeah. target. And one, so he was and he was only on the field for 26 percent of snaps. And I understand like when he's on the field, they're going to be looking to get him the balls one way or another. But that's not enough usage for me to go out and try to throw him in my starting, you know, tight end position right away by any means. Next week, Cole Komet or Taysom Hill? Cole Komet. Oh, God. I know, right? I, you know, I, I see brighter days ahead for Cole Komet. It was a terrible, you know, terrible weather that they were playing in, but I, you can't deny the upside of a Taysom Hill in your tight end position if he's getting snaps, you know, direct as a running back or quarterback, whatever you want to call him you know, and getting those opportunities. No other tight end in the league is getting those types of opportunities. You know, so it's like, it's just one of those things. There's a ton of upside there because at any moment he could break one of those runs like he did uh, on Sunday. So it's it's more of a question mark for me, I think, than for you guys. But I love the upside of my tight end also playing running back. Or lining yeah, up at quarterback. Yeah, or lining up at quarterback, you know? I mean, I know. He's not on the field that much. It's the only problem. Like, he was out-snapped by two other tight ends on his own team. Yeah. 
and I know he outscored them both. Like I understand that, but I want a guy who's on the field. Cause if there's a, if there's games where they just can't figure out how to get him onto the field, like they're maybe they're, maybe they're just winning by a punt by a bunch and Taysom Hill might not even see the field. So that's really dangerous to just throw him in your lineup. And all of a sudden, if he puts a goose egg up on you one week, you're going to lose, you're going to lose the game that, that week. I would right. just say, if you don't have a good tight end that you, you don't have faith in maybe like one of those lower late round guys like Pat Fryer Muth or Cole Komet, like we were talking about. The Muth is going to be great all year. Don't, don't disrespect the Muth. Well, I'm just like saying that. with, with where they were drafted, we all love the Muth, baby. We're, we're deep on it. Okay. Well, yeah, well, yeah, he's gonna be a t- dude. He already he already showed like he's gonna be part of this offense. The Muth is great. Maybe get sick. Yeah, yeah. Muth to the moon. But yeah, if you have a guy like that, I would I would feel comfortable starting Hill. Honestly, taking that risk because at that point you really are just sending a fly route at tight end. We have been uh, leaders of the movement, and uh, we'll continue <laughs> to do so. <laughs> oh man, that might have been your best pun yet. <laughs> God damn. it's contagious um jamal williams two goal line touches uh or touchdowns Whoa. i should say uh um, skip hayden hearse and we, no, we talked, talked about, about when we're talking we were talking about, about jerry leverett are you listening oh yeah are no just... i was busy fixing my microphone problems <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh we we all said that we would rather have hayden hearse over gerald everett yeah okay agreed uh, five minutes later. Sorry. Continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jay- Hayden Hurst, like, a good pickup for sure. Uh, at the tight end position, uh, Jamal Williams, though, two goal line touchdowns. Uh, he definitely got the ball once they're down there in the goal line. Devon, uh, Deandre Swift still had an incredible game in between the twenties. Um, still made a ton of big plays, looked really, really good. Um, but this is something to make note of. You know, if if things don't go Swift's way between the twenties, you know it looks like Jamal Williams is getting all of the goal line work. Is he worthy of adding? In your guys' opinion, he should already be on on teams. I don't know what his roster percentage is. This is a half of a victory lap because I'll be actually honest, his I'm roster eat, percentage bro. is high. He has an eighty-two percent roster percentage, so he has a pretty high roster percentage for a backup running back. Yeah, and rightfully so, because like I've been saying all offseason, I'll be honest, I got to eat crow with my DeAndre Swift take. He looked great week one. Um, But Jamal Williams continues to get a steady, healthy amount of carries in that backfield. Only had 28 yards, but like you said, it was a goal line work, two touchdowns. The, the Lions of all teams fielded two top 20 running backs in week one. <laughs> and I've been saying it all offseason. Jamal Williams will get the ball, but I was wrong about DeAndre Swift not really being that guy. He was definitely week one, but I mean, Jamal Williams is definitely worth having, especially in a deeper league. You got to have him, and he's a great, uh, he's a great cuff yeah, to have, right. especially. Yeah, yeah. I would say if if you have Swift on your team, I would I would prioritize getting Jamal Williams uh, on my bench. I I, I don't know a whole you know. If I'm really going after him, if I don't have DeAndre Swift, I, it's just hard to depend on goal line work week in and week out for the Lions. But uh, and what I'm seeing is he's rostered in 46 percent of leagues on sleeper, so he should still be available in a good amount of leagues. But oh, that's weird. That in our, I'm on sleeper. And it says Jamal Williams 82 percent of leagues in our fantasy 3.0 
the fantasy fiends 3.0 league says 82 percent of the league's rosters maybe that's just that one specific you know type of roster room which that's weird well we we have to be worried about looking on sleeper we've learned that over like the last year and a half it depends on which what type of league you're in and when you're looking at the player because if you're looking at somebody in our half ppr home league it'll give you that roster percentage but then if you're looking at them in like our super flex leagues that we're in it'll give you a different percentage same with our dynasty league it, it changes within what league you're looking at him in when what league you're selected if that makes sense so we, we might have to start going off of like fantasy pros probably a better option yeah all right uh rex burkhead led houston in carries on sunday and also had five receptions so you know our boy damian pierce who we were talking about before it was a thing to talk about <laughs> you know the the preseason darling um he's it looks like he's in a timeshare and Rex Burkhead, the 33 year old running back, whatever he is, is going to get just as much as work, if not more than him week in and week out. How do you guys feel about this situation now in Houston? And are you putting a claim in or any fab on Rex? Well, he fucking retire already. I'm so sick of hearing <laughs> this dude. I, God damn it. Dude. He's 32 years old. God, it's just, I'm so sick of every year just hearing about this guy taking carries away, being slightly productive. I, I'm worried about Damian Pierce right now. I mean, I mean, the story right now, I guess, is that Damian Pierce needs more work on passing downs, which makes sense that the veteran running back is going to be in more because he's better at blocking. I I see Damian Pierce taking this over at one point this season. At least I fucking hope so. But who knows? Rex Burkhead continues to prove me wrong every single year. I'm still going to be on the bandwagon that Pierce takes us over. I mean, it seems crazy that he would get that much work in the preseason just to have it completely fall off to begin the year, even when Rex Burkhead was there you know, earlier. So I'm going to stick with Damian Pierce. Um, I'm going to hold off putting him back in my starting lineup next week, um, but you should still hold on to him. And I don't think Rex Burkhead's worth that much of a waiver wire pickup. That's totally the play. Wait, wait a few weeks. Hold on to Damian Pierce. But let's let's just hope that the old man ness of Rex Burkhead takes hold eventually. <laughs> uh, Devin Duvernay, a surprise uh, finish uh, on Sunday. Four receptions, fifty-four yards, and two touchdowns. Rostered in twenty-one percent of leagues. Looks to be like that third target. You know, wide receiver two in the Ravens offense. Is he worthy of an ad, though, or is the two touchdown performance a bit fluky? Oh, it's fluky. I mean, how else are you going to put it? Like, he was on, he wasn't even on the he was barely on the field for fifty percent of the snaps. So that's a bad sign to begin with. It was fifty two percent of snaps. He he had four targets. I know he caught all four. The two touchdowns just that's extremely fluky. Um, I still think this is going to be, you know, a Mark Andrews and, and Rashad Bateman type situation. Andrews had a very quiet game in week one. Not sure why that was, um, seems unlikely for that to happen again though. So I think you'll see a lot more out of Mark Andrews going forward. And Duvernay is a very distant pickup. Oh, I totally agree. And Mark Andrews, I mean, he had, it was a quiet game for his standards, but still seven targets, five catches, 50 yards. It's, it's not a horrible floor, but we definitely expect a lot more from him. Like, 
I'm with you though on the Duvernay thing. I'm not touching him. It's weird though that Rashad Bateman led the wide receivers in snap percentage and it was only 66% of snaps. I didn't watch the game, but that's a really low number for your wide receiver one. A lot of two tight end formats, you know, running the ball. So that could be reason for that. But um, yeah, for me, Devin Duvernay just, it's, it, it seems a bit fluky for me. It's not someone I'm, I'm spending any fab on or, or really breaching for uh, in waivers this week. I think there's better options out there. Uh, Robbie Anderson rostered in 17% of leagues. Another kind of surprise in week one. He played 100% of the snaps, had eight targets, five receptions, 102 yards, and one touchdown. Finished as the wide receiver 10. Are you buying into this Robbie Anderson week one performance? Yeah, I know he had 102 yards, but a 75 of that came on a single broken coverage play where he was wide open down the field. So, no, I'm not putting any <laughs> real, you know, solace into that. I, I don't think it's going to be a repeatable performance from him. I'm sure you'll see these kind of pop games from him throughout the year because it's the type of receiver he is. He's a deep play threat. He's going to get these every once in a while, but you can't bank on that. You take away that one reception. He has four catches for 27 yards. And that's not worth putting on your lineup. I'm with you for the most part. Um, and Baker Mayfield, he looked okay. He didn't look impressive, but definitely not bad. But I, I will say it's it's interesting that Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore both played 100% of the snaps. So it seems like this, they're the clear-cut one and two receivers on that team. So Robbie Anderson should definitely be worth a look. I'm personally not going to try to pick him up and start him. But you know, it's not the worst idea. Yeah, I've been kind of avoiding this offense outside of CMC. Um, I just don't have any faith, really, in the passing game of this offense. And so, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not someone who's going to be picking up Robbie Anderson. But, you know, eight targets, he did get a good amount of volume. But still, it's just, yeah, I, I don't think this uh, passing game is good enough to have any faith in. Um, That's more targets than DJ Moore. Yeah why i didn't draft dj Moore? <laughs> yeah, yeah at all i don't think i don't think we have any shares of anything on the panthers besides uh christian mccaffrey right a few times between the three of us uh Dontrell yeah. hilliard four targets three receptions for 61 yards and two touchdowns uh he's rostered in 13 percent of leagues is the backup to derrick henry uh finished as the rb7 last week in half ppr leagues is Dontrell Hilliard, you know, someone you're willing to stash even if you don't have Derrick Henry uh, on your roster? No. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. He was on the field for 18% of snaps. Those two touchdowns is fluky as all hell. He only had two rushing attempts. He had the four targets in the, uh, you know, out of the backfield. I mean, yeah, just no. I, you just can't, man. I know it was a quiet game for for King Henry. Um, I and I w- you would think that they, maybe they're trying to pull him back a little bit, but they're not because Dontrell Hilliard only played eighteen percent of snaps. So like, you know, Derrick Henry still had the majority of the carries, and it's not even close. That he you know played seventy percent of snaps himself. I'm not going to put Hilliard anywhere near my radar right now. Just not going to do it. Yeah, I wouldn't either, unless you're in the business for handcuffs and you're kind of struggling at running backs. 
And um, I know Derrick Henry had like a quiet game, but honestly, as a Derrick Henry, you know, shareholder in quite a few leagues, I, I'm I'm not even disappointed with week one. Twenty one attempts, eighty two yards. Like it, the sky is the limit. It seems like they're just getting him warmed up. He's still getting majority of carries, and we all know once he gets going, he gets going. So sky's yeah. the limit. My boy's back. <laughs> yeah, if that's a light load uh, for Derrick Henry, then I'm I'm all in. <laughs> uh, but until he gets hurt again, but uh, Dontre Hilliard, yeah, I mean, outside of full PPR, like really deep full PPR leagues, it's not really worth a look yet. Um, I would say outside of that, um, Jahan hey, Dotson. I'll just say this before we move on: the, yeah. the queen is dead, but the king is not, baby. <laughs> he lives on. The king lives. <laughs> Jahan, we 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 kind of already covered I, I, Jahan Dotson. Yeah, yeah. I had to just say I gave Jim some credit for his his movement pun earlier, but Trey, that was that was rough, man. It was a stretch. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw like, it out there, soon? bud. No, not too soon. Just not that. Just not very good. Nah, <laughs> I usually good. love your puns. Nah, just gonna. God just save like, the no. king. <laughs> I mean, he's seventy three. How much time does he have left? No, the king is uh, twenty <laughs> <laughs> twenty something. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, man. Sorry for the for the weird trip down fucking roy- British royalty. We won the war, anyways. Hey. That's all good, man. I like to move it, move it. Um, if you like to move <laughs> oh, it, it, damn you! <laughs> <laughs> I like to move it. All right, uh, Jahan Dotson. We already talked about um, pick him up if, in my opinion, if he's available in your leagues. Um, Carson Wentz finished with twenty nine point seven points. I guess a super flex ad if he's not already added uh, or rostered in that in that type of format, which he might be, but finished as the quarterback three. Do we now have faith in Carson Wentz after week one? I'm sorry. Who was he playing? Uh, Don't worry. I'll answer for you. It was the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) Um, Is that a real question? (laughs) Uh, So it's pretty good to look, you know, amazing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're, uh, they're not good. Um, they're they're mediocre at best, and their defense is even worse than that. So now, granted, in a superflex league, I you know what, give it a shot, right? I wouldn't do that, but any type of standard 10, 12, probably even a fourteen team league, that's not a guy I'm just gonna go after after week one. I would disagree. Um, if you're not confident in your quarterback it's definitely someone i'll be interested in picking up he's not the most consistent guy but he's shown flashes over the years and he's he's pretty consistent at getting like multiple touchdown games when he he's has had... a bad streak it's a bad streak but if he's doing fine he's doing fine i don't know how else to say it like he's ultimately uh, he's had a... one good year though one he's been in the, this is now his sixth season at least seventh season in the league He's had one good year. In the last four years, he's finished top 12 twice. Top 12 Ooh. once. He was 14th last year. Oh, yeah, 14th. Okay, either Ooh. way, top 14, which means he's worthy of starting in some weeks. And 50% of the time? Yeah, that's what happens when you're using flyers, and if you don't have a good quarterback, 
they are playing the Lions next week, and I like the Lions' uh, defense to bounce back next week, so I would avoid him. But there'll be times when I'll be interested in him probably later on in the year playing, you know, uh, the Texans and the Falcons week 11 and 12. But we'll get to that in fucking 10 weeks. <laughs> God, we're going on the yellow brick road here. That's way down there. Yeah. I'm a fortune uh, teller. <laughs> Stash and hold, baby. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, um, a couple of receivers here that are worth, I guess, bringing up for waiver wire week. You know, uh, the Chargers, Herbert played really well. Um, but he spread the ball out a lot, uh, a lot more than I think we were all anticipating. A lot of different receivers involved. Uh, Joshua Palmer, one of those guys um, that was getting some preseason hype, you know, a, an earlier draft pick in the NFL draft, um, a guy that profiles well, but is listed as the wide receiver three on this depth chart. He could see a bump in volume um, if Keenan Allen is to miss some time. But again, Herbert did spread the ball out a lot, pretty evenly across the board to a bunch of different receivers. Joshua Palmer, four targets on Sunday, which was the same as Mike Williams um, and the same as Gerald Everett. Um, Right now, Palmer's rostered in 11% of leagues. Are you taking a shot on this guy if Keenan Allen is missing? And what if Keenan Allen is not missing? Are you still looking to add Josh Palmer? If Keenan Allen misses time, I would give him a glance. But as we all know, it's Mike Williams' season. He had a bad week one, but he continues to be great in the beginning of the year. So Mike Williams is going to have 30 points next week, not Josh Palmer. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they are playing so. Kansas City, so uh, there's a pretty good chance he puts up major numbers. Um, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I would give Palmer a shot, and if you are really thin running at receiver, I would potentially put him into my lineup as a flex. Um, but he's worth putting on your roster, at least. Keenan Allen, they have already said they do not expect him to play on Thursday. Um, the hamstrings, you know how they can be. They can be really finicky. Even if you're starting to feel good one day, you could literally take one weird step and you're, it's back to square one. So they don't expect him to play. It sounds like they, even if he's close to playing, they'd rather hold him out to keep him healthy for the rest of the, rest of the season. So, um, you know, obviously keep an eye on that as we get into. They play Thursday night, so it's the first game of the week. You know, make sure you're paying attention to that when it comes to Tuesday and Wednesday and the and his status. But I'd give Palmer a shot. What about the other guy that was involved? DeAndre Carter, right now rostered in 0% of leagues, also had four targets, the same as Mike Williams, and three receptions and ended up scoring a touchdown. DeAndre Carter is a little too deep. Or yeah, I'm taking a shot on. <laughs> okay, dude, I've never I even heard of this dude. dude. He used to play for the uh, Commanders. I think he played for him last year. Yeah, but, and he also played for Chicago the year before that, and Houston the year before that. So he he's moved around. Um, ultimately, he's been in the league for seven years, and this is the first time I've ever heard his name out of Sacramento State. So, yeah, no, just <laughs> just no. His best first season time you so heard far. His name. Yeah. you know his whole biography. <laughs> I'm I can re I can look it up, man. I got Google. <laughs> last year was his last year was his best year ever in the NFL. He scored 71 fantasy points. Good for yeah. 87th ranked receiver in the league. Yeah, I'll just say that there was a division game 
divisional games for most NFL teams tend to be pretty tough. They were spreading the ball out pretty like quite a bit. I don't see that to be a continuing trend for the Chargers. Once they get the ball rolling, we know who the ball is going to. How about a guy that uh, is rostered in 4% of leagues but led his team in targets, receptions, and receiving yards? That is Kyle Phillips of the Tennessee Titans, the slot receiver, starting slot receiver. Looks like he had some chemistry with Tannehill. Um, In my opinion, could be a a nice, sneaky, full PPR um, ad, but I wouldn't put much more stock into it than that. But did have nine targets week one. Man, this Hunter Renfro wannabe. Um, <laughs> still, we're still hurting from the Renfro performance. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, he could be. I mean, he's a rookie, so it'd be it's. And he was a you know super late round draft pick. If he wasn't even draft, he might have gone on draft. For all I know, um, fifth round draft pick. Okay, that's what it was. Uh, I mean, sure. In this offense, who knows what's going to happen each week in the passing game? It's really, really hard to say. Um, Robert Woods and and Traylon Burks didn't do a whole lot of nothing, but neither did the passing offense in general. So who knows, man? Um, I don't think I'd be trying to take a flyer on him by any means. If something starts to happen over the next couple of weeks where he's getting this more consistently, sure, um, I'll take it. But other than that, man, I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna touch it. Uh, speaking of Hunter Renfro, wannabe another fifth round draft pick. That's that's interesting, but. Uh, what I think is really interesting, because this is one of the passing offenses in the NFL that is like a big question mark. We were curious what was going to happen. Obviously, we assumed Robert Woods was going to be that guy. Traylon Burks is really interesting as a rookie. But between those three, Kyle Phillips played the most snaps, had the most targets, had the best uh, receiving performance, technically. Um, him and Traylon Burks finished around the same amount of fantasy points. But it, this could be a sneaky pickup. It really could be. And I don't know. I mean, Ken Hill only threw for 266. Like 60 of those came on a single play from Hilliard. Um, it's just, man, I don't know who's going to catch this ball in this offense. It could be different each week. Uh, in all honesty, unless you're playing Derrick Henry, I wouldn't touch this offense. Yeah, I think Phillips could have some appeal in full PPR leagues. I think it's going to be really tough for him to score any touchdowns, which is obviously going to limit his upside. Um, I think they bring on Traylon Burks as the season goes along. You know, we saw the rookie out there a little bit, you know, had some nice um, plays, but I, I really think they bring on Traylon as the season goes and we see more and more of him each week. Um, but that's probably it for, for Kyle Phillips. I don't see a ton of upside, but for full PPR leagues, sure. Um, throw him on the bench and, and kind of see how everything plays out here. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, rostered in 40% of leagues, the Kansas City running back. Uh, You know, he didn't see it a whole lot of time until garbage time, but he played well again, scored a touchdown. Um, He continues to play well when when given the opportunity. Clyde Edwards-Alaire obviously had a good game as well, probably played better than than most expected. We'll see if he can continue that uh, throughout a season. But in my opinion, I think the, the rookie is worth a stash on the bench just in case something happens to Clyde because I think Isaiah is pretty clearly the next most valuable weapon for them in that backfield. Um, you know, I would put him above Ronald Jones and and Jarek McKinnon already. You know, uh, what do you guys think? 
Yeah, this is the wake up call. If you weren't paying attention during the offseason, this is someone who you should be trying to stash on your bench, basically for all the reasons you just said, Jim. And I know he got a bunch of garbage time points, you know, 12 attempts on 23% of snaps, which means obviously he, he came in during the end of the game when they were just running the ball out. But uh, he's very promising. And I see Clyde just, just falling off eventually. And Isaiah Pacheco is someone, the second half of the season, someone I would definitely want to have on my team. You know, I'm, I think he's a bench stash, but I think it could be a long time before he sees any significant things. So, I mean, he significantly was behind uh, CEH and McKinnon in terms of snap percentage. Uh, CEH and McKinnon both came up at 39%, where, where Pacheco was, you know, at 23. And again, as you said, it was only garbage time. It's easy for it to look good against, you know, the second team defense, just like he was the entire preseason. So I'm not going to put too much, you know, thought into that yet. Um, and I don't know. I know. I think I was a little higher on CEH than you guys were the entire offseason. I think this is his last chance to show that he's worth something in this league. And I think he's going to take advantage of it. So um, unless there's an injury involved, um, Pacheco, I think, stays deep, deep on your bench. Is it Pacheco? Pacheco? It's, it's Pacheco. 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 Tyler, did you draft Clyde anywhere? I actually didn't. I never. He was in a weird position where like I was never drafting. So like it is what it is. I did it. I did it in a couple of our mocks, but uh, I never had like a mid round draft pick where he came around um, in any of my leagues. So you were just as high on him as we were. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't going to reach for him. I'm not saying I'm not gonna... in zero leagues too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like yeah. he was going you know yeah. roughly like in the middle of the third. I was and like I was never in that position to even attempt to draft. I'm not going to reach for him at the beginning of the second. Um, if that's mm. you know, when there's much better guys to go for. I'm just saying I think Clyde is going to prove himself uh, a little more this year than we've seen. Mm-hmm. Easy to say now mm-hmm. that he's not on any of your rosters. Uh, all right, hey man, I can't control the draft order. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> some defenses to keep an eye out here in the waiver wire for next week. If you are streaming the defense special teams position, uh, the Bengals they are playing right now uh, next week. The Dallas Cowboys, who will be Dak Prescott lists. Um, obviously, and the Bengals right now are rostered in 2% of leagues, so it could be a nice streaming defense there for you next week. Probably. Did you guys see Cooper Rush out there throwing the ball? He looked terrible. Just by going off of his name, I assume he's going to be terrible. I've never seen him do anything. Just from his name, I... I think he's actually shown... Like, he's come in in garbage time before and, like, played decently well, but, man... I watched him miss some wide open wide receivers last night in the t- in the little bit of time he did play. So that's going to be a little scary. And the Bengals defense, I think I, that's a good pickup. It's a, he's going to feast. You know who Dallas needs? They need a trade for Gardner Minshew. Hey, hey, hey! You heard it I here like first. that. I like that. It'd be it'd be fun to watch. Anytime we can give Gardner a uh, opportunity, we go ahead and and give it to him. Um. The Browns next week are rostered in most leagues, 70% of leagues, but they're playing the Jets. Uh, Cleveland had a pretty good game last week, four sacks and interception. Obviously, the Baltimore defense took care of the Jets last week. Uh, Browns look like a good pick for you guys. 
uh, next week against the Jets? I like him. Yeah, if I can pick him up, I'm definitely. I want to. Um, they're the popular waiver wire ad this week for defenses, though. It's all over a lot of sites. It's everyone's desired defense this week. So I mean, and like you said, they're already rostered in quite a few leagues, uh, being over you know seventy percent or at seventy percent. So it's gonna be hard to find them, but if you can, like, absolutely, it's a good pickup. Uh, the Colts rostered in twenty eight percent of leagues. They play the Jacksonville Jaguars next week. Yes, sir. And that's why I've been drafting the Colts. I wanted them against the Texans and the Jaguars for the first two weeks. I was a little wrong about the Texans. They didn't get that many points, but still seven points or whatever. That's not too bad. I expect them to do pretty good this week against the Jaguars. Colts defense. Um, I like them, but I'll be honest. After this week, you're probably really not really going to want to fuck with the Colts defense. So it's really a streaming defense. Yeah, and you have to keep in mind, the Colts defense was without their best p- player in Shaquille Leonard in week one. Um, it sounds like he should play week two. He's the heart and soul of that defense. He's the one who calls the plays. So if he's back, I would expect a better performance. They do get a quick turnaround, though, against the Jaguars. They play them this week, and then they play them again week six. So yeah. if you're the kind of guy who has room on your bench like me and you want to hold the second defense because you're a fucking weirdo, You know, it could turn out to get two good starts out of a defense. All right. Then the Lions defense uh, playing with some dog in them uh, last week. We saw uh, they're rostered or they're available really in every single league rostered in zero percent of leagues right now. They're playing the Washington Commanders uh, next week. Jacksonville was able to get two picks off Wentz. Um, He's a guy that likes to gamble a little bit, throw the ball up. Um, so Lions could be a sneaky streaming defense next week against uh, Wentz. Yeah, I'm really liking this this week, honestly. Um, uh, Let's be honest. I mean, most people are going to be streaming defenses. It's already past week one. There's not that many good matchups this week as far as like a defense that's sure fire. I'd be willing to take a risk on the Lions defense. They looked pretty good. They were flying around. I know they let go let up a lot of points against um Philly. Against Philadelphia, but it's they look good. And I, I would be willing to just t- take that chance, that early early season chance, and see what they do. Oh man. I li- I like that they're playing Wentz because he is, you know, notorious for giving up some easy interceptions. But they did just give up 30 po- 32 points. They didn't have any turnovers. They only had one sack. So that's concerning for me with Detroit. Um, ah, man, I don't know. I think you have, I think there's probably better options on the waiver wire even than Detroit this week. But you know, if you have a real flyer and Wentz is you know turnover prone, you know may- maybe it works out for you. Uh, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's a weird week for defenses. There's really not that many matchups that you see, even on the waiver wire, where you're like, oh, you know, I- I'm like willing to take that chance. It's when you look at your waiver wire in your leagues, and the Lions will seem intriguing. Like, oh, yeah, the Lions yeah. against the Commanders. It's like, pretty likely. It's, it's a rough week. It's pretty likely that both the Bengals and the Lions are available in your league. And if I had to choose one, I would probably go with the Bengals just because they're playing Cooper, whoever. At quarterback Rush, next week, so yeah. Um, yeah, I would go ahead and and bet on that. Oh yeah, Before, I agree. It's just a, yeah. it's just a matter of what what kind of cat do you like? You like Bengals? You like Lions? I mean, come <laughs> on now. 
All right, well, that'll do it for our waiver wire show for week one. Um, hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers if you have any questions uh, throughout Tuesday about who you should pick up, who you should drop. Happy to answer and give you our opinion. Uh, so hit us up there again. It's at the FF Fathers on Twitter. We appreciate you all listening and keep an eye out for our starts and sits episodes later in the week where we go through every single matchup and give you our starts and sits for every single matchup and our starts of the week. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you later. Bye. Weekly episodes. Bye.